guys were jiving and I would dance, but I can't dance. So I just thought I'd just stand here in the dark instead. Well, thank you, Pastor Darwin, for the ordination and everything. And now that it's official and I have a few more letters in front of my name, I just want to start by insisting I be called by my full name and title. So you guys can call me Pastor Reverend Adrian Christopher Daniel in the Lion's Den Bond in the Third, King of the North, Protector of the Downtrodden, and Cider of Ogopogo. Okay, the last one might be made up, but uh, in all seriousness, please call me Adrian. I'm, I, my name's Adrian. I love you guys. Uh, I was glad you guys all said we do, because I didn't know what Darwin would do if they were like, no. Um, and I didn't get the message. I was supposed to say something after each time, so I was waiting for the end, and then I said one I do, so don't worry. I do agree with them all, though, just if that's not clear, but... Uh, for those of us joining us, uh, maybe for the first time or maybe for a refresher for those who have been tracking with us, this summer we're going through a series on the fruit of the Spirit. They are not fruits, but they're fruit of the Spirit. They're not separate, but they're actually a single fruit that comes from the Spirit, but they have different characteristics. And so they all come from the same source, and they're given by and find their source in God's Holy Spirit. And so the closer we walk in line with the Spirit, the more fruit of the Spirit will be seen in and through us. And today we're exploring what it means to have peace in an age of anxiety. Even just saying that word anxiety maybe starts to rise that emotion in you. Uh, there's a pastor, Australian pastor, he's brilliant, uh, called Mark Sayers. And he talks about the current state of anx present anxiety in the world. He uses the term ambient anxiety. Uh, in order to illustrate this, he talked about how he was, he was traveling from Hawaii to uh, the western seashore in uh, states, and actually when he was in Hawaii, he experienced an earthquake, didn't know he was in an earthquake, so it didn't bother him at all, landed in, uh, in uh, the western seashore of the states, and then had a whole bunch of texts. His phone, as they say, the ki cool kids say, his phone blew up with all these texts and voice messages of people saying, oh, are you okay, you were in an earthquake, what happened, everything. And he said he started to get really anxious just from his social media, from his phone, and then he realized, how silly is this? I'm more anxious just from, because of my phone than I am from being in an actual earthquake. And, and the world is like that right now. We have social media, we have int, uh, automatic, instant connection with around the world. If a disaster happens around the world, we start to get worried, we start to get anxious about it. This is something that happens. And so there's this ambient anxiety we're living in. And COVID has made this worse. There's so much more going on. And so anytime something disastrous happens in maybe a remote part of the world, we don't need to wait for the daily newspaper anymore. Our phone alerts us instantaneously. And so the pan pandemic actually brought about a crisis because we began to truly understand and we were faced with the reality of how little control we actually have over our lives. These things that we thought were foundational, they thought would never change, and even myself, I'm guilty of saying something, oh, this will never change, and then within a year or six months, within the pandemic, it totally changed. And anxiety is not something that is new to human beings. Jesus spoke about anxiety in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, but he states some of the most common causes of anxiety. He talks about physical attributes, uh, your clothing, your food and drink, and even about the future. We're anxious about these things. And even in our contemporary life in 2022, whatever year it is, uh, 
we have the same simple concerns that, that cause anxiety. Even in the West, uh, they often are linked to money. Do we have enough money for retirement? Do we have enough money to get the clothes we need or want or whatever? So in the midst of this anxious age, God invites us to a different way. He invites us to find our peace in him. So let's dig into the primary passage for today, and I'd love to invite you to track along in your iBible or hard copy Bible, or it'll be on the screen as well, or for those joining us at home on the screen in front of you. We're reading from Philippians 4, 6 to 9, and this will be out of the uh, New International Version. So Paul writes to the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, sermon over, let's go home. Um, no, I like talking too much, sorry guys, but... But in every situation, do not be anxious about everything, anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. We could literally just stop it there. If we, if we actually just meditated on that and we apply that to our lives, we would experience peace. Um, but we're going we're gonna to dig into this a little more. I want to unpack this a little bit. But I want to start with a question, uh, and I'll get to the point. But have you ever been given completely useless advice? Okay, may, most, if not all of us, have either been given or have ourselves given this same terrible advice, and maybe you would word it in a slightly different form or another. But you or somebody else has shared a concern, something they're worried about, and you as a listener, maybe you're thinking, well, that's not a big deal. So you wait till the end of their story, and you're like, well, that's easy. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> wow, why didn't I think of that? Oh, I'm sorry. Sometimes my sarcasm leaks out. Um, that's a topic for another day. We'll get to their self-control. That one's coming. Don't worry. But no, this, we, we think this. Someone has a situation. We're removed from it emotionally, but they're worried about it, and we think, well, just don't worry about it. What's really easy to say, uh, and it feels a little bit of that's the same advice that, that Paul starts this section of scripture off with. He says, don't be anxious. Cool, Paul, thank you very much. But then he says, don't be anxious, but pray about it, and then you will have peace. It definitely sounds a little obvious. It sounds a little bit like Christianese. It's just, well, don't worry about it, just pray about it. That's really good and really easy to say. But would you consider yourself a person who experiences peace regularly? Would you consider yourself a peaceful person? Well, in order to even understand or answer that question, we need to define our terms. So most people, when they think about peace, it's like one of those respond with the, the next word that comes to your mind. Most people, when, they say, when they, you say or hear peace, you would answer war. It's kind of the antithesis. And so we think about peace as connected directly to war. And most dictionaries, the first definition when you, when you come across uh, the definition of peace, it's the absence of war or the end of war or the terms to end the war. And so peace is seen in this light directly related to war. However, the Bible actually views peace as much more than a mere absence of conflict. Uh, one Bible dictionary gives the definition of peace as this. A state of tranquility 
or wholeness or shalom. And so it's this holistic state of completeness, this, this uh, state of being completely whole. So rather than being a mere absence of conflict, it's actually a state of being fully in proper relationship with God and others. But it's an inward reality rather than an outward situation. So rather than being an outward absence of war, it's actually an inward tranquility and wholeness. So how do we get this peace, this peace the Bible mentions? Well, the answer to anxiety that we have is the peace of God. So we know that. The answer to anxiety is the peace of God. But how do we get this peace? So this passage has three important aspects of peace. The first is that peace is a gift from God. Paul calls it this. He says it's divine. It's the peace of God. So its source is divine. It comes from God. So Paul isn't envisioning a situation or a circumstance where the external situation is changed and needs are met. Instead, he's saying this peace is a characteristic that is a gift from God, that comes from God in the middle of even the most difficult of circumstances, no matter the circumstances. So in fact, God can often even give greater peace in the midst of the greater conflict or the greater struggles that you have. And it's at times when that life is most difficult that peace can actually become more and more clear. Have you ever deceived yourself? Please don't put your hands up. But have you ever deceived yourself into circumstance management? This is a term I've coined that you think you're going to change your life. You're going to change how your heart is by changing the circumstances around you. So you want to experience something better. So you, you start to think to yourself, well, if this part of my life were different, then my life would be better. Uh, it's really easy to go there here with money, but if I made more money, then I would have a better life. If my kids were better behaved, then I would be a better father. That's, that's what we, we kind of trick ourselves into doing. We, we've all done this. And if such and such were different, my life would be better. If I made more money, or if I had more vacation days, or if my boss was better, or if, or if, or if, fill in the blank for yourself. We've all done this in one way or another. And it sounds nice, but the truth is, even if we get everything we want or everything we think we need, we often find it doesn't actually change our lack of peace. Because peace isn't about external circumstances. Instead, it's an inward gift from God. And sometimes we waste hours and, and days of our life wishing and wanting and maybe even praying for God to change our circumstances. So we say, God, would you change this circumstance so that I can experience peace? Instead, what we're invited to do is go to God as our source of peace. And one example of this, when Kirsten and I were on our recent uh, mission to Zambia, I had the privilege of meeting a man named John and uh, his picture will be up there. He's the one that's sitting on the trike. Uh, and uh, here in this picture, you can see um, he's, he's a really happy, joyful guy. And John has what I believe, I'm not a doctor, but I, I, from his experience and everything he shared with me, I believe he has cerebral palsy. And he struggles daily with the effects of that. His legs don't work very well. He's, he's hard to understand. And even though he speaks English really well, it's still hard to understand him. Uh, but it doesn't stop him. He has a trike that's powered by his hands. He can move around. And he's literally being the hands and feet of Jesus in the community where he lives. He serves as a care worker who's someone who volunteers his time and his energy uh, to go and visit children of the families that are on the Hands at Work um, uh, program. 
And so John isn't able to get around well by walking because his condition prohibits that. But instead, he has this hand-operated trike that he goes through uh, paths that are super rugged. They're like, if you imagine the worst kind of trail that you can imagine, most of the paths around there are kind of like that. Uh, but he shared how he wasn't always a joy-filled man. He wasn't always uh, full of peace. Before he was a Christian, he actually was extremely bitter for the way that he was born. He was extremely uh, angry and frustrated, and this, this led him down a path to do many sinful things. Uh, but he shared how he came to peace with his situation when he became a Christian. And he started serving God, and he started serving others. And he saw how God could even redeem his hardships and redeem his situation to give him compassion for others. His physical struggles helped him with other people that were also struggling. And it was such a privilege and a joy to meet John because his joy was infectious and his peace brought others comfort in the midst of their own struggles. On these, on these uh, visits that, that he would do, he would pray for these families and I'm sure uh, what would go through their minds is, well, he has it hard too, but yet he's there serving them and helping them. And so he shared how his peace is a gift from God. And so God's divine peace can be present no matter our circumstances. Even a circumstance that's difficult like John, he's experiencing peace. Secondly, peace transcends all understanding. And I mentioned earlier the frustration that all of us, I'm sure, have experienced at one time or another when someone gives us unhelpful advice. Sometimes knowing the right thing to do doesn't actually help you in a situation. Knowing what you should do in a situation or what you could do doesn't always help you. Uh, husbands, here's a helpful question, and it could go for wives too, or even just friends. If, if your, your spouse or your friend is upset, a great question to ask them is, do you want to vent about this or do you want a solution? Because sometimes, uh, especially guys tend to, uh, want to solve a problem. So our spouse or our friend or our wife, they share a problem with us and we go, this is easy, you should do this to fix it. Not helpful, guys, unless they want your help or your input. They often know, they just want someone to listen for them and often you should pray for them. And so more often than we would like to admit, many aspects of our lives and our relationships are actually out of our control. So knowing what should change a situation or what we could do, or even more so how far beyond our ability a situation is, doesn't always help. Just having that knowledge doesn't help. So uh, sometimes just knowing that you've tried your best and yet the rest is out of your control and you couldn't have done anything different, the situation couldn't be any different, just knowing that doesn't necessarily bring comfort. However, God's peace transcends understanding. It goes beyond the knowledge that we have, the knowing what we should do or could do or how a situation could be different. It goes above, beyond, and around such knowledge. So just knowing what you could do in a situation doesn't necessarily help, but when you pray and you seek God for peace, it transcends understanding. And I find this is the way that God moves supernaturally through prayer. So Paul in verse 6 is a reminder. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So prayer cures anxiety. That's what he's saying. But the center of this verse is a significant part. It says prayer is to be offered with thanksgiving. It's an attitude of gratitude that should go along with all of our approaches to our Heavenly Father through prayer. So this isn't saying... 
Well, I'm going to pray for something, and then I'm going to trick myself and pretend like it's already happened. So you go outside and be like, thank you, God, for the new car. And then you open your eyes and be like, oh, i got to pray harder. Thank you, God. for No, it, that's not what it is. But it's saying, it's actually with the thanksgiving is a recognition that whether God gives you what you're asking for or what you think is best for you, you're thankful that God is doing what is best for you regardless of how it actually turns out. Recognizing that even if the situation, the circumstance doesn't change, it's still in your best interest. That even if you're in still in the midst of pain or hardship or longing for it to be different, that God can still give you peace, peace even if it doesn't make sense. And I would hope everyone in this room has maybe had this situation where you've had, you've had a circumstance that was beyond your control that you were upset about, you were worried about, and you did all the practical things you could do, but then the only thing left that should have been our first step, but don't beat yourself up, is go to God in prayer. And then literally it feels like you're taking the burden off of your back and putting it where it belongs. Where God widens your perspective from the problem to open it up to see the person who's actually meant to be at the center of your life and your circumstance and you see God there and think, I don't have to worry about this anymore. God's got it. Maybe the situation doesn't change. Maybe I'm still feeling a little anxious, but I can just continue to just push it back to God where it belongs. And often, this means that when God doesn't change our situations, it's recognizing that maybe he's just trying to grow us. Maybe he's trying to grow our dependence on him. Maybe he's trying to grow our character into, mature, into maturity. Pain can actually be one of the best teachers. But God doesn't leave us alone in the midst of our problems. Instead, he walks side by side with us. And his Holy Spirit gives us the fruit of the Spirit to equip us and walk through with us with love and joy and peace and all of the rest. And so when we pray in our difficulties, sometimes the situation changes, but often it doesn't. But because we've shifted that burden back to God and our perspective widens, we can have peace that goes beyond our understanding. Now, there are some who say we, you shouldn't bother God with trivial matters, that we should only focus on praying about the major things in life. But an important thing that, that I've uh, come across and what Paul says even says, like, what does Paul say is appropriate to bring concerns to God? He says, in every situation. So we should bring all areas of our lives to him. So if it matters to you, it matters to God. That's a great thing to remember. I wish it was, it was unique to me. But if it matters to you, it matters to God. So bring it to him in prayer. Uh, Francois Fenelon, a mystic from the Middle Ages, wrote this, which I think captures what Paul says here as well. And some of the language is antiquated, but it's still so good. I think this is a beautiful picture of what prayer is meant to be. Tell God all that is in your heart as one unloads one's heart, its pleasures and its pains to a dear friend. Tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys that he may sober them. Tell him your longings that he may purify him. Tell him your dislikes that he may help you conquer them. Talk to him of your temptations that he may shield you from them. Show him the wounds of your heart that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good, your depraved taste for evil, your instability. Tell him how your self-love makes you unjust to others, how vanity tempts you to be insincere. 
how pride disguises you to yourself uh, as to others. If you thus pour out all your weaknesses, needs, troubles, there will be no lack of what to say. You will never exhaust the subject. It is continually being renewed. People who have no secrets from each other never want subjects for conversation. They do not weigh their words, for there is nothing to be held back. Neither do they seek for something to say. They talk out of the abundance of their heart without consideration, just what they think. Blessed are those who attain to such familiar, unreserved compassion uh, with God. Or... Let's change it. It's supposed to be communion, sorry. But communion with God, this, this relationship where we just talk to him about everything. What a beautiful picture. You don't hold back. You don't try and do image management with God. He already knows everything on your heart and your mind anyway, so why hold back? Share everything. That's what Paul says. In every circumstance, go to God in prayer. And lastly, he says that we, this peace that comes from God guards your hearts and your minds. So this guard, it's this military term, it's this defense, and so it's actually saying that, that God gives you this peace that's a gift from him, he gives you a peace that transcends all understanding, and then it's even proactive in guarding your heart from future anxiety. So for this reason, pe prayerful people are peaceful people. People that are people of prayer are people that are full of peace. And so we need to stay so connected to Jesus because there are so many things that can distract and detract from our relationship with Jesus. Worry and anxiety can drive us away from God when we need him the most. So verse 7, as a reminder, says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In verse 8, I'm not going to read it again, but maybe it'll go up on the screen. Uh, Paul goes into this list of things that we should think about. And in modern psychology, there's a, there's a practice called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is based on the idea that how we think, how we feel, and how we act are all closely related. So essentially, if you think about negative things, if you think thoughts that you beat yourself up, or in this case, if you think uh, thoughts about being anxious, then you start to feel anxious, and then you act out of that anxiety. You start to uh, think thoughts that are fearful, then you start to feel fearful, and then you react and act out of that fear. Instead, what Paul points to is this list that would have been uh, probably from his culture and media, something that he recognized as healthy and good, but he said, whatever is good, whatever is true and noble, right, pure, or lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think, think about such things. He said, focus on the good things of God and then put it into practice. So if instead of, of focusing and dwelling on your fears, your anxieties, your worries, if you focus on the good things with thanksgiving that God has given you, you will have peace and you will, your actions will pour out of that. And so this, this world that we live in is not a time of peace it is a world of anxiety. It's this culture and this media that conditions us to be anxious and unsettled. However, that's not how we're meant to be. We're meant to have peace in this anxious age. And so prayerful people that are, that are peaceful people can be such a blessing to those around them with their non-frantic, calm presence that overflows to others around them. As you're filled with the fruit of the Spirit, it overflows onto others. And you can think of Jesus uh, that was in the middle of a storm and the, with the disciples being frantic and fearful about drowning, yet Jesus just stood up 
and calmly spoke out a simple command that brought peace in the midst of the storm. And so uh, while on mission with Hands at Work, one of my favorite things that's done is uh, something that is called uh, Holy Home Visits. And so all of the children that are on the program, uh, they have care workers who are these volunteers that are in the community that visit them regularly. They go to their home, they have an opportunity to pray with them, to visit them. They often, um, they often will do something for them, sweep their yard or, or uh, something like that. But uh, I got to go on some of these uh, as a visitor. And uh, so the support that these, these students uh, receive, I got to witness firsthand. They get three essential services, food, health care, and education, but then they also get this spiritual care and prayer, and it's awesome to be able to see this. And I got to go with, uh, with one of our hosts, who's a South African, who's been a long-time uh, hands missionary. His name's Harman. And I love this man because to me, he just really uh, exemplifies being a non-anxious presence, uh, which is also a Mark Sayers term, but it's this, this man of peace. He, he kind of, if you ask him a question, he often takes a little bit of time to respond because he's thinking through the answer. And so he's quiet and calm and he has this unhurried way of listening. And so several times during uh, the visit I got to go with him, uh, the person would respond and he would sit there quietly and if his eyes were closed, you're wondering if he's napping maybe, but he wasn't. He was reflecting and praying and thinking about a good question to ask, uh, a God-centered question that would stimulate conversation. And there was just something being with him and just watching him that his, his peacefulness spilled over to those around him. He was encouraging and loving and gentle, and his quietness exuded this inner deepness that displayed his deep relationship with Jesus. And so Harman was this prayerful man who was so peaceful. And so people like this are so needed in our world. The world that we live in is not a world of peace. It's a world of disorder and chaos, constantly swarming conflicts and violence and hatred. That's not to say the whole world is bad. There are good things happening. God is at work all throughout the world. But it's, it seems to always be easier to see what is wrong with the world than what is right. And so there is a great need for women and men who are people of true peace that can come only through the Holy Spirit. Now, to kind of to, to wrap up here, I asked Harrison uh, uh, to come up and share a song, which is truly special to our family. When we first arrived in Zambia, the first week, quite honestly, was somewhat discouraging. Uh, the first night that we were there, finally after three long days of travel, Theodore got the flu, uh, and he was sick, and so the, the first day that we all were actually able to go out in community, uh, Kirsten wasn't able to. She stayed back with our younger two to take care of them, and so uh, the next day after that, Liberty didn't feel well, so she stayed back and was watched by others, and then the day after that, Alethe and I didn't feel well, so we stayed back. So it wasn't until actually our fourth day in community that we were actually actually be all together. But uh, we were frustrated, we were sad, and honestly, we had worry and anxiety, and we, we started having fears that arose. We started wondering, did we make a mistake bringing our kids across the world to Africa? Um, but however, in the midst of hard times, God often speaks so clearly. And on the day in which Kirsten was back, as she was processing her feelings and, uh, and her fears in prayer, the Holy Spirit inspired her to write this song that she's going to share for us. And so um, as Kirsten comes up uh, to help lead us in worship, and I'm going to help her get set up here, um, I just want to invite you, maybe uh, you walked in this morning 
and you did not feel like your life has been peaceful lately. Uh, you have not felt like uh, you have felt the anxiety that is common in the world around you. Uh, so as Kerrison uh, sings this song, I want to invite you to just kind of soak in the Holy Spirit's presence and to even just read the words on the screen. If you want to, feel free, sing along with it. Uh, it's it's pretty simple song, but it just talks about how God invites us to be still in the midst of storms, that he is present no matter our difficulties that we are going through. And I'd also like to invite the, the prayer team to come forward. And if you would like someone to pray with you, to maybe that you could share your struggles with them and you'd like someone to, to lift you up in prayer, I'd love for you to have that opportunity. Uh, and so I'm going to pass it over to Kirsten now to lead us in this song. So one of, the, one of the things that can happen when we're in the midst of hardships is that, that God can use it to minister to other people. That you can maybe grow in your compassion, you can grow in your awareness. And um, so 
know that, that God has your best interests at heart no matter what. I can't compete with that. She's too cute. Um, <laughs> she's used to it. When, when, uh, if you guys remember, when we did uh, kids, Bethel Kids at Home, Kirsten and Alethea did some ukulele songs together. It was really cute. And she always stole the show, even though hers wasn't plugged in. But what do you do? But, uh, squirrel. I'm a teacher. Anyways, I'm really distractible. And it's coming out. Anyways, so uh, I hope... That, uh, that God has spoken to you this morning. I hope that in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your hardship, in the midst of your worry, that you would go to God, the God of peace, not of worry, not of anxiety, not of fear. You have nothing to fear because God is so much bigger than your worries. This life is temporary. There are troubles, there are storms. It will be hard. I'm not promising you an easy life. God doesn't promise that. But God is promising that he will be with you in the midst of the storms. In the midst of the waves, in the midst of the troubles, God is with you, and he can give you peace that transcends all understanding. So I want to pray for you, and then I want to invite you to go eat some blessed cake. So would you join me in prayer? Jesus, thank you for who you are, and thank you for every man, woman, and child in this place today, Lord. We know that they are your beloved children. And Lord, whatever circumstances that that we find ourselves in, Help us to know that you are with us. Help them to just not have in our head the knowledge that, okay, things are going to get better or life is going to be better in the future or uh, the times that we're guilty of circumstance management, Lord. Help us instead to just turn to you in thanksgiving with prayer. No matter the circumstances, no matter the, the answer, whether it's yes now or later, Lord, I pray that, uh, that when we pray that we would just hand the burden back to you, Lord that would be able to walk next to you, full of peace, full of joy, full of all the other fruit of the Spirit, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love, your kindness, your goodness. Thank you for this time that we've had to gather together as your church, both here in person and online, Lord, to lift your name high. And Lord, I trust that you have been praised with, uh, in spirit and in truth, Lord, that you've been glorified. And this service has brought a smile to your face, Lord. So we thank you and bless all the people here in the name above all names, your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you.